0: When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter, and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, the heathen now, the Lord hath done great things for them. It was obvious to them, the Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. This is a uh, statement of faith. This is um, not a hope so. This is a, a, a statement made in faith. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth bearing precious seed, shall doubtless, and and underline that word, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. This is a very popular psalm. I'm sure it's been dealt with uh, many times. I haven't checked, but many times on this prayer meeting itself. It's a psalm of revival. It's a psalm... It's basically a prayer for revival. Turn again our captivity. Just some really simple thoughts here. The first thought being that we are in captivity. It's a simple thought. We are in captivity. We are in captivity. And when you think about uh, that, that condition that that word captivity it is a state of bondage it's it's a state of being imprisoned uh, there's a there's a a sense where we're hampered or we're hindered in what ways are we in bondage i was just thinking of this listed some in a way where we can't pray the way we would like to pray do you not sense sometimes when you're in a prayer meeting, whether it's this one or certainly in our own churches prayer meetings, there's a there's a, a a sense of bondage. It's hard to explain. I mean, people are praying, but there's a sense of bondage. We don't feel the liberty that uh, we we know we should be enjoying in the place of prayer. There's bondage in prayer. There's bondage in the hearing and in the speaking of God's Word. You know, we can read the Word, and I trust we are reading the Word day by day, but there's a sense where it's just water off of a duck's back, it's seeds on concrete, it's not getting... There's a a feeling of captivity and bondage. There's a bondage when we can't witness the way we want to witness. When we try to share this glorious good news of jesus christ that should be right on the tip of our tongues and just bursting from a heart of real thanksgiving and yet for some reason that the greatest message known to man is stuck it's not something we can get out that's bondage there's a bondage when we deal with our family sometimes. The place where we should have the most freedom to be able to speak about the things of the Lord, about the things that are, are most important to us, maybe even about this prayer meeting. Listen, it's hard. There, there's a bondage. There's, there's For some reason, we, 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 we are encumbered where we just cannot speak freely and there's a bondage in that we just can't enjoy God the joy of the Lord is not our strength we're always having to pray like the psalmist restore unto me O Lord the joy of thy salvation strange isn't it it's a strange kind of a bondage there's also bondage to sins of course Bondage to besetting sins in particular. Bondage to addictions, to lusts, to fears, to doubts, unbelief. I mean, there's bondage to lots and lots of things. We're always having to fight against our unbelief. We just, we believe, but help thou mine unbelief. The point simply being that we are in a state of captivity And it would be good for us to understand that as a whole, now here and there there are bright spots and individual Christians can be going on with the Lord, but I would say generally speaking, the church is in captivity. We don't have the freedom that we know we should have. Our church services—we can't, for some reason, get beyond the status quo. It's just this, uh, this, this mill, this routine, this week after week. And, and we're praying against that, but there's no sal- We're not seeing salvation the way we would like to see it. We're not seeing souls broken. We're not seeing uh, repentance. We're not seeing the power of God. This is bondage. It is. It's a real sense of captivity. It's, it's awful. We can actually grow used to this. If you remember the story of the boy uh, that brought, uh, or the, the father that b- brought his boy to the Lord, uh, was demon-possessed, and the, and the Lord asked him, so how long has he been in this conditions? Oh, of a, of a, of a child, a long time. We can be in this, in this horrible state for a long, long time and we can get to a point where we're just, we're just kind of living with it. We don't know what else to do. It's a really bad place to be, in a place of this kind of bondage and captivity. The second point simply is that when the Lord turns this captivity, that is revival. That is what we're praying for. The turning of our captivity. The turning of this state of bondage. So when we pray for revival, in my mind, we're praying for this release out of bondage state. Because whom the son sets free is free indeed. And the Lord Jesus said that he has come that he might give us life And that he might give it to us abundantly. Sometimes our our lives, our experience, whether it's personal, family, church, it doesn't measure up to that. But that is what the Lord Jesus said. He says he has come. Yes, that we might have life, but abundantly. When the Lord turns, that is revival. Revival. A Lord turning our captivity is revival. So that we can then lay aside those weights, those things that are weighing us down. As Hebrews 12 says, lay aside those things and run with patience the race that's set before us. That's freedom. We can Isaiah 40 says, we can mount up with wings as eagles. That's freedom. That's the power of God that's enjoying the strength of God. As Psalm 18 says, we can run through a troop. We can leap over a wall. Obstacles, normally, in the normal sense, this troop... This wall, we can run through it, we can leap over it. That's freedom, friends. Now, it's easy for me to say all this and read those verses, and but can you imagine a situation where you are able to, f- to speak freely, like freely to your family, to your co-workers, to those that are around you, to those in the church, freely. And there's a freedom in the church, a freedom to confess sin, a freedom from the fear of man. There's so many offenses in this world. This world is full of offenses. Where we're so afraid of offending a brother or offending another individual, things that... And this, chur- our churches are so fragmented and so so divided, and there's there's hardly a unified spirit. That's bondage versus the freedom of being unified, where our hearts are one, where there's love and charity shown one toward another. I was speaking with, I'll be vague on purpose, but. Uh, some folks here um, I'm sitting on the campus of BJ and you know we're trying to we're trying to do things and uh, it's, it's hard to sometimes get brethren to dwell together in unity why is that? because we're in captivity I think And the Lord needs to turn that, is the point. Third point I'll just simply make is this. If you just look at that word, again. So in verse 1, when the Lord turned again. In verse 4, it says, turn again. Again. That's the point I want to make. Why again? Why this, this idea of again? Because I would say that on a personal level, our hearts, like fire, grow cold. And there is always this need for us to turn us again. Our hearts, like the ground, grow hard with unbelief, usually, where we stop really believing the Lord. Our hearts, like King Uzziah, whom I'm reading about right now, can grow proud where we have maybe enjoyed a season of the Lord's blessing and answers to prayer. But then he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Uzziah was a man of prayer. But something happened in that, in those verses where he was marvelously helped till he was strong. And then when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. Our our hearts can grow cold, they can grow hard, they can grow proud. We don't think we're proud, but proud in the sense of self-sufficient, where we're not depending on the Lord anymore. And the last thing I'll say about this whole again business is that every generation needs to see the Lord turn the captivity. Every generation needs to see the Lord work. Psalm 78 um, makes this clear. That the generation to come might know The works of God, verse 6, Even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children, that they might set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Every generation needs to tell the next generation of the works of God. Or else this is what's going to happen in Judges chapter 2. We all know this. Joshua dies. And the people that served the Lord all the days of, the, of Joshua and the days of the elders that outlived Joshua, who had firsthand seen the great works of the Lord, they died. And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. Every generation needs to see the works of God for themselves. It doesn't matter, in a sense, that you had the first, the second, the third Great Awakenings in this country, or you had the Lewis Revival, or you had the New York Revival, or you had the South African Revival, or the great works of God throughout the UK, the Reformation. All those are wonderful. But what about today? There arose a generation that, that doesn't know the Lord And they haven't seen the great works of God for themselves. So this is why it needs to happen again. And that's why we're praying, friends. We're praying that the Lord would turn again the captivity of Zion. And our prayer simply is then, turn us again. Do it again, O Lord.